Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett, and I'm here with Steve. As always, Steve, how are you doing this week? Uh, I am. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I am trying to figure out what to make of the six-way tie for third place in the conference. Um, but once I figure that out, I'll I'll feel a lot better. All right. So that means you'll be you you won't be better for probably at least three weeks. So. Uh, you know, I think I think it's good to just build into your schedule around uh, around watching copious amounts of basketball. Yeah, it was another uh, very interesting week. I think, like we've said before, no win streak can be trusted as to what a team actually looks like. No losing streak can, or most losing streaks cannot be trusted. Uh, and I, I mean, I think we got to start with again. I think for the fifth episode in a row, we have to talk about per- the game, a game involving Purdue. But uh, this time we turn the tables a little bit. Uh, Indiana held serve at home over. Uh, number one Purdue, um, winning that game by five after what what was a, a pretty furious Purdue comeback throughout the second half. But I, I think the real story of the game, uh, beyond the, the the play of Trace Jackson Davis um, and the the timeliness of Jalen Huchifino, who looked like he went down with a pretty serious injury before popping right back up and 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 playing through it. I mean, I think this was a game that Purdue lost early. Uh, you know, they went down by ten uh, ten minutes into the game. Uh, they only led once and I believe it was with like a five four um kind of early thing there. Uh and and really just kinda had to mount this furious comeback that ultimately did fall short. But I think the turnovers were the big story. They turned the ball over sixteen times. Uh they were ten of seventeen from the line um and just really kind of didn't seem to quite have that sense of urgency that Indiana kind of played like their hair was on fire all night. What are you taking away from from this game about one or both both teams, Steve? You know, I I don't know that I, I don't know that there really is that much to take away at the end of the day. I mean, I think like zooming out, the two biggest takeaways to me are, um, you know, it, Indiana. This is part of I guess the return to relevance of Indiana as a program under Mike Woodson, and uh, you know the atmosphere there was intense. The this you know in-state rivalry seems to be getting back to you know what it was. Um, I don't know, maybe in the early 2000s, um, where you have kind of highly competitive games, and um, after you know shaking out the cobwebs in the early part of the year, Indiana kind of looks like the team that we expected them to be, sort of fitting in in the upper quartile of the conference. You know, being led by their all-conference and all-American, uh, you know, power forward slash center with good complementary pieces around them. And I, I think you know we've been seeing this trend materialize over the last couple of weeks. And this is sort of the, the cherry on top there. Um, I, I think the other thing here, though, is, I mean, per, Purdue has, has only really been dominant in record this year. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's some really, really quality road wins on their schedule in conference play, but they've all been close road wins. Um, and so, you know, it was a little bit surprising to see them get dominated at the beginning of the game. It doesn't shock me that you know one of these slipped away because you, you know we they've had opportunities to lose games other teams have had opportunities to beat Purdue earlier in the year and they just haven't done it you know I, I don't know that like we learned anything about either team in this game you know Purdue's still two and a half games clear of the next team in second and I think you know you chalk this up to bad turnovers and and maybe you know the the others aside from Zach Eady you know, not not playing very well. Edie was spectacular with 33 and 18 on like 80 percent shooting from the field. Um, but you know, if if you're if you're 
worried if you take one i think thing to be worried about if you're a purdue fan it's you know if if they have a game like this in the tournament where no one else does anything um, on Purdue other than Edie, you know, that could spell an early exit for them. But I, I think we all knew this, you know, before this game took place. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on. I think I think an interesting note just looking at the box score is that for Indiana, uh, Jackson Davis took 19 shots, uh, got to the free throw, free throw line nine times. Hood Shafino took 15. No one else took more than eight. And most of their players really only took uh, uh, two or three. So I think that's something, you know, Miller cops really only taking three shots. They only took 10 threes. And obviously the, the inside out game with Hood Shafino and, and Jackson Davis is, is really working well. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see if they're able to really start getting more guys involved as we kind of get down the stretch. But I mean, hell of a win for, for Indiana and not too much to hang your hat about, hang your head about if you're Purdue. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, a really good win for an Indiana team that, that really does kind of seem to be hitting their stride uh, with, with this, with this marquee win. Speaking of teams hitting their stride, the Maryland Terrapins left for dead several times earlier this year uh, by not only us, but pretty much everybody else in the Big Ten. They have now won four in a row, uh, including a very impressive win at home uh, over Indiana and then just blowing blowing Minnesota out on the road. Um, I mean, Kevin Willard's got his guys playing well. Um, you know, Jameer Young still definitely a, a revelation of sorts. Um and it, it really does seem like they're hitting their stride. I think is this obviously with the cautionary tale of, of us having written them off a couple times before. Uh, I mean, what I guess what are you seeing now that's different compared to earlier in the season when they were kind of struggling to find their way in conference play? I, I actually don't think there's a good answer for that. Um, because you know, th- this may have, I think, stumped our minds or, or, or maybe – Maybe we'd forgotten this, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, but Maryland's 12 and one at home this year. Like they don't lose in College Park, um, and so um, it, you know they, they, they've they've gotten some pretty good wins there already in the year. It's not like they've had an easy schedule. Um, but I, I will remind you, um, our good friend Kevin Willard did, um, you know, uh, speak his mind on that topic, and they did have a really tough schedule to start the year with a, a lot of games. Um, you know, on the road and, you know, against particularly some tough opponents. So in a way, this could be just them, you know, the, the schedule sort of them getting the, um, the the other end of the stick there and their schedule starting to ease up a bit. I mean, I will say from an X and O standpoint, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, Jameer Young's a, a big part of that. I think he was struggling in that early stretch, you know, and, and he's 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 really I mean, I'd be curious to see what the numbers are, but I feel like I look at every box score and he's, he's putting up 20 plus um, every game, maybe over the last three to four weeks or so. And so, you know, they, they really are resembling the team that sort of surprised everyone in the non-conference play when they got out of the gate, I think eight, 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 no, or nine, no, something like that. And, and now they're kind of back there, but they have a solid resume. Um, you know, they're, I think more comfortably in the tournament than lots of other kind of, teams in in that jabumble of a, a top eight in the conference and uh yeah i know I, I invented a new word there um so so, so no i i actually I, I don't think they're doing anything different i think they're just their schedules eased up a little bit and and they're they, they can stack up with really any team in the middle to upper quartile of conference yeah i i think that's a good point uh to your point about young yeah he's i mean he scored 14 points against minnesota but only had to play 21 minutes but before that it was 2018 22 10 against Purdue, 26. I mean, he's 
he's really been been coming on strong as the as the uh, as the season has gone on, and they're getting more from guys like Julian Reese. And uh, obviously, Dante Scott's been been consistent all year. And I think also going back to my point about Indiana with the Purdue game, the opposite of that was true where, you know, Jackson Davis was was pretty efficient from the field, seven for 13. But Hood Shafino was one for 14 from the field. And, uh, you know, they they only they made three of 11 from three and and just really couldn't get enough offense going. Um, But, yeah, I think I think the Xfinity Center is back to its uh, its mid 2000s heyday of of Cole Fieldhouse. And I know Terps fans are going to be fired up about that. Uh, moving on, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, picked up two wins against Illinois or two wins against teams from Illinois. Excuse me. I did not read the episode notes correctly. Uh, and they got a win over, uh, Illinois and then a win against, uh, Northwestern as well with both of them coming at home. It's been an up and down season for Iowa. I think they said it 15 and eight. They've won. I believe this is true. All of their games against the top half of the Big Ten and lost all of their games against the bottom half of the Big Ten. So, I mean, they're still the second most efficient offense in the country. They're still putting up a ton of points. Their defense is still an absolute question mark, but they're really getting it done and they're doing it against teams that are known for their defense, whether that's Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois. Um, so what, what are you seeing out of out of the Hawkeyes here, Steve? Yeah, well, so I think important thing to note with respect to their game against Northwestern on Tuesday. So that, I believe, was Northwestern's fourth game in eight days um, just because of the the COVID pause there. So, um, you know, I I think Iowa was well suited to capitalize on that just given um, how fast they play. And they, you know, didn't necessarily face a similar, uh, you know, know, a, a similar schedule because they weren't on a COVID pause. So I, you know, not, not to take anything away from that win, but I think just important for the context there, but turning to the Illinois game, I don't want to talk about the off the court stuff because I know, you know, that that's, you know, maybe on on the top of minds, a lot of the fans um, and there's a lot of funny stuff there that we could probably spend hours talking about, but really the the thing that stood out um, in the Illinois game that I think it could be, indicative of this team's ceiling being elevated from what we thought it was going to be earlier in the year is the play of Tony Perkins. Um, and, and he, you know, he almost carried them to victory um, on the road against Michigan state last week, uh, but he scored 32 points on 11 shots, got to the free throw line 16 times um, in that game. And, you know, you, you, as he starts to incorporate himself into the mix, you know, he's a playmaker, you know, you know, sets up, you know, Robracha really well off pick and roll. You slot him in alongside, you know, Murray, and that allows him to sort of play off the ball better. I mean, you've really got an engine that I think is only going to be more explosive on offense than what we saw earlier in the year. And so um, I look for him to keep ascending, um, you know, and, and really potentially take Iowa even to a, a, a higher level um on offense and, and, and don't um don't look past him as a defender too um yeah i mean th- there really isn't that much good that we can see from iowa's defense up throughout this point of the year but i, I think he, he's probably an, an average to above average defender at the point guard position and i think that's helped them and it keep some of these high power offense at least contain you know i mean illinois putting 79 on them, you know, is, I mean, I'd say it's still a pretty good offensive performance, but um, Iowa's defense was at least able to generate 14 turnovers, um, you know, just, despite really, um, 
not having like an athletic advantage, you know, and, and even having a little bit of a disadvantage when it came to, to size on the wings, both in the post. So I, I think, um, I, you know, as, as Perkins heats up, I, I really think this Iowa team, you know, can, you know, really um, put themselves in position to get a double buy as the season comes to a close here. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of things we were talking about at the beginning of the season with this Iowa team were where's the where's the other part of this team going to come from? Like, who's going to chip in and score? Who's going to play defense? And question jury's still out on that second one. But the you know, we're seeing a lot more uh, balanced attack from from Iowa than I think we thought, especially when Chris Murray started the season so hot. And uh, yeah, I think it's definitely definitely a, an impressive coaching job uh, to really kind of get everyone to buy in and, and really play more balanced while still being super efficient from the field. Um, moving on. Uh, so Rutgers uh, continues to, after a very weird start to their season to sit in second place. Uh, they picked up a win against a big win over Minnesota. Um, and then, you know, they are new New York's big 10 team and held serve at Madison square garden against the Spartans winning by six. Um, I mean, I mean, we're, we're seeing a really good team start to operate. I think, you know, they, they took a little bit, especially with injuries at the beginning of the year to kind of figure, figure out, figure out their game. Uh, you know, that temple loss and, and maybe even the Ohio state loss are, are still kind of looming large, but I mean, this team is, is still playing super good defense. They're still getting enough done on the offensive end. And I think that they're, uh, Ex- collective experience with guys like Omari, Spencer, Mulcahy, McConnell, even Mag, like guys that have been there down the stretch in this conference before, uh, is really going to, as has been paying dividends and is going to keep paying dividends as we, as we move down the stretch of this season. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, these guys do not play pretty. Uh, they, they won this game against the Spartans shooting 38% in the field and eight, 19% from three, you know, they, they do not win these games pretty, but they know what their identity is. They do it on the defensive end and they, they just say that they're going to out, out tough you. But the, the, uh, your, your last point I think is super, super crucial to understanding the success of this team. They have enough continuity that they make, they make, they, they trust their offense in crunch time. Um, and they have multiple guys that can make big shots down the stretch and aren't afraid to take them. You know, we're, we're used to the, the days of Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. being those guys. Um, and and I would actually probably argue that Rutgers doesn't have a playmaker that's nearly as good as, as those two guys on this team this year. But like they all trust each other. You know, Mulcahy can make big shots. Cam Spencer's made a number of big shots on the stretch this year. And, and even, you know, McConnell's not afraid to take them, too. Um, and. Yeah, it, it seems like they're controlling games better from start to finish. I, I don't know that this is the greatest recipe for a long NCAA tournament run, but, um, you know, I, I think they, while other teams at the beginning of the year were sort of struggling to find their identity, Rutgers always had theirs. Um, and, you know, they haven't, um, they've avoided sort of that, that, you know, two to three game losing streak that sort of set them, back and that that's why there are where they are right now i mean it's, it, they only have a, a game lead over the rest of the field that's sort of you know behind them so i don't know how long this this is going to last but i mean i think i agree with you and that um you know if they continue to be able to just avoid a, a losing streak which I, I think they will you know, because they can lean on their defense, you know, they're, they're, they're also going to be in good position for a double buy um, as we make our way to the end of the season here. 
Yeah, I think uh, you you hit the nail right on the head. It is anything but pretty, but you know that's what it takes to get the job done in this conference, and and experience really goes a long way. So now that they're being fully healthy, I think they're they're in a prime position. I think uh, down the stretch, especially with the schedule easing up just a tiny bit as much as it can, I guess. Um, all right, a couple quick hitters uh, when we we're, we're talking about teams that find themselves on or around the bubble. As and we'll kind of I think this 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 is a good thing to keep a recurring segment on just because honestly, the bubble is going to be weird as hell this year. And uh, we're here to make sure you stay on top of it so that, you know, when you're when you're at your Valentine's Day dinner, you you know exactly where some of these teams are standing as we head d- down the stretch of the season. Um, so we start in Ann Arbor where uh, Michigan had the best week out of out of the, the few teams we're going to talk about. Uh, they they picked up two big wins, uh, including a big road win against uh, at Northwestern and held serve at home against a reeling Ohio State team uh, to really kind of try to find their way back on the bubble. I, I mean, the Northwestern wins their best win of the season so far, right? Um, so they actually, so Northwestern was their their first quad one win of the year, but they actually they picked up a second one over the weekend since Maryland slid into the that's right quad one as well. Or since they slid into the top thirty. Yeah, I mean, and those are those are games where, you know, Michigan obviously had to have them both, uh, especially the Ohio State one. Um, I think that, you know, they, we can't make any definitive predictions with a lot of these teams just yet. But uh, obviously picking up two wins in a week is as big as they as we really kind of head down, you know, in, into the middle of February. And, uh, you know, it's good to see them hold serve. Really, uh, Hunter Dickinson obviously was was key in matchups where not as strong big men uh exist so kind of take some of the pressure off guys like Buffkin and and uh and Jet Howard. Uh so Wisconsin and Northwestern both survived the week. Uh so Wisconsin had a win uh earlier in the week uh against Ohio State where they uh you know were able to they played really well in the first half and then were able to do just enough to get it done down the stretch. It was not a particularly pretty second half, but they come out of Columbus with a win uh and then just really kind of fell flat against the Northwestern team playing, I think they're what their fourth game in eight days or something like that. Uh, fifth game in 10 days. Um, I think it, it was like sixth and 14, but yeah. Okay. Point yeah. Taken. yeah. Either way, like, you know, th- this was a, a sl- grinded out slow game that really kind of suited both these teams. And I, ugh, Wisconsin just can't make layups or free throws and it's cost them a few games now. And it's, it's uh, not fun to watch this. This game was 57 possessions. Uh, and each team ended under a point per possession. I believe the final score is 54 to 52. Uh, so huge win for Northwestern on the road, especially in a game that they, they really need. I think, you know, they still lack uh, Northwestern kind of lacks a marquee win, so to speak. I think, you know, you've got Michigan State, Illinois, and Indiana, I guess. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I, have, I don't I don't think they lack a marquee win. It, so. OK, that's fair. No, you're right. Uh, I might I, I redact that statement, um, but I it's still like they're still trying to figure out how to how to really string uh, multiple multiple quality wins together, especially uh, on the road. So I think this is a really big start for them. You know, you get just enough out of Boo Booey down the stretch, uh, even though he had kind of a kind of an off game. Um, and on the flip side with Wisconsin, Chucky Hepburn and Connor Asijan both shot well from three, but the Badgers shot 37 percent from two and. Uh, five for 11 from the line. And that is not going to win you games, even if you only turn the ball over nine times. Uh, so I don't know what it is. Tyler Wall looks like he has the yips. Uh, Northwestern's interior defense really, really stymied the Badgers. Uh, and they couldn't hit enough shots to to make up for it. 
Uh, anything on, on either of those two teams before we continue on? Uh, I, I think really the only thing, that my biggest takeaway from that little, those, those four teams that we talked about, I think we can sort of write off Ohio State at, at this point in the year. Uh, they've really gone through a tough stretch. I think they've lost nine of ten. Um, it, it, that's probably one of the bigger surprises, you know, because they, they they lack a superstar, but um, you know, had a lot of solid players. And even just like Sensabaugh looks like a legit superstar. And even Bruce Thornton looks um, like he's going to be a, a good point guard there for the next couple of years. I know there's rumors about Holtman's job security. I, I don't think those are founded, but I think at, at this point, you know, with Ohio State at 11 and 12 and 39 in the conference, their, their tournament chances are all but dead. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we we had them kind of in that range uh, at the lower half of the half of the conference in the preseason. But uh, you're right. I think after kind of what they showed in Maui, we thought that they would be a little bit better. But I mean, Sensabaugh can't stay on the floor because of his his bad defense leading to a lot of fouls. He fouled out in 16 minutes against Wisconsin, and he's by far their best offensive threat. Although, like you said, Bruce Thornton has been a really ple- pleasant pleasant surprise. Um, not to the level where he's going to be in a one and done, but like like you said, he's going to be a really good point guard. I think there for for a few years, and you've got Justice Sue, you've got Zed Key. I I think we both, given the start, expected a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it's 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 tough times for for Ohio State this year. Although I do agree, this is nothing for Holtman to lose his job over. Uh, and then the last kind of bubble team we have uh, to talk about is Penn State, who. Uh, went down to Lincoln and emerged without a win. Uh, so they have lost two in a row uh, after getting blown out by Purdue at Mackey. Uh, I mean, this is one of those games where it's just kind of the stylistic choice you you play when you're Penn State. They took 38 threes. They made 14 of them, uh, but they could not get stops, uh, especially when the game, especially inside. And that's the that's how you beat Penn State. You really just got to take them inside and live with the threes. Although Tomina- Tominaga did have 30 points, which is kind of insane, especially because a lot of them were were inside. He did hit five threes, but I mean, the Huskers really pounded the ball inside, 61% on twos, uh, and that's that's how you got to beat Penn State. So I think I think Penn State definitely is hanging somewhat precipitously at 14 and nine. Um, again, it's just it's just a matter of stacking wins at this point, and and this was one I think they really had to have. All right, so we can move into the previews. Uh, no games on Monday, but we do have a triple header on Tuesday, and so uh, I'll start with that one. So we have Rutgers heading to Bloomington. Uh, I mean, if if you're looking at it from an objective point, standpoint, this is a huge letdown spot for the, for the Hoosiers. They're just coming off the biggest win of the year, uh, and they have to face a tough-as-nails Rutgers team. Like we've said, defense travels. It is going to be a grinder of a game. Um I believe that this is this is their first matchup this year, um, and only matchup this year. And and you know Rutgers is really gonna kind of hold themselves out to have something to prove. I feel like they they play like that a lot of the time. Uh, they're just gonna have to hope that you know Omari and and Jackson Davis are are able to kind of cont- or Omari's able to contain Jackson Davis to some degree. And and they have an, they have enough big defenders to throw at Hood Shafino. So I think there is there is a definitely definitely the opportunity for Rutgers to to pull out what I assume will technically be an upset. Um, but I think it's possible for them to win. Um, Indiana just really has to avoid, avoid a letdown, especially against a team that it is not easy to score against. Minnesota goes to Illinois. No reason that the Illini shouldn't take care of business. They'll want to rebound after that lost at Iowa. And then I think an underrated game, game of the week candidate, I think a very hot Maryland team uh, going into Breslin center. Um, you know, it's going to be a very point guard heavy game. I think that, 
I think there's going to be a lot of points scored, um, and it's going to be a lot of, of Young and Hagard looking to really try and set the table for their teammates. Uh, Walker, I think, is going to really try and get a bunch of shots up, um, and it'll be interesting to see how Hauser plays against a, a larger but not bulky front line of Maryland. All right, and then on Wednesday, we've got two games for you. First, Nebraska heads to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. Um, I, you know, Michigan should be on upset alert um, here. Just you know, Nebraska, you know, just knocked off Penn State on uh, on Sunday here, which 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 Brett just took you through. Uh, th- this this would I think Michigan were to lose this this would I think destroy any tournament hopes that they have left. So I would expect them to come out ready and prepared. Uh, but Nebraska has slightly improved and has snuck up on teams this year. So um, it, that's the only thing I'll say there. It's a great opportunity for Michigan to um, add to their win streak um, and continue momentum that they're building towards a tournament bid. Um, Wisconsin takes on Penn State in the second game on Wednesday. So this, to me, feels like one of those elimination-ish type games where both these teams are, you know, five and seven in, in conference. They're sort of... Um, it, you know, with the way things are shaping up, like if the tournament started today, I don't think, you know, both of these teams could make it, um, you know, and, and so uh, really, you know, both of these teams trending towards desperation. I, I actually think this will be a, a, a good game to watch. Um, we know all dreams go to die at the Bryce Jordan Center, but I think, you know, what I'm looking for is, you know, Wisconsin's advantage in the post, you know, does that outweigh, um the the Penn State guard play guard and wing play and their ability to create one on one, you know those those guys tend to play better at home where that style of offense you know just sort of works a lot better when you have the crowd behind you. So Wisconsin's wings are really going to need to be able to defend and and they're they're going to have to make shots which they struggle to do as Brett chronicled. So um, I, I think it should be a really good a game of two desperate teams trying to stay alive in their bid for a tournament berth. Moving on to Thursday, uh, Iowa heads to Mackey, and oh man, I'm I'm excited for this one because Iowa's just gonna want to run Purdue to death. I that's a good a good mechanism, especially when your front line is as undersized as Iowa's is. You know, it's so it's gonna be this is one of those games where when we talk about Purdue potentially having an issue with with bigger and talented wings, I'm counting Chris Murray as as more of a wing type player. Uh, I am he's probably gonna see a lot of Mason Gillis. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes. And this is going to be one where uh, Iowa's guards, especially as Steve had talked about with Tony Perkins and, and their more experienced crew, um, you know, Pat McCaffrey, Connor McCaffrey, they're really going to be trying to uh, make the the youthful guards of, of Purdue and Lawyer and Smith uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not going to work. Their defense is going to be a whole other issue. But Indiana's or Iowa's really going to try and push the pace and just try and outrun and outgun uh, a Purdue team that, you know, I they should be able to take care of business, but there is a world where Iowa just gets super hot from three and Purdue can't quite match it by by having to feed Edie all the time. But I think that they will be able to hold serve at home. And then we've got Northwestern going to Ohio State. Um, it, this is a big can't lose one for the Wildcats. Uh, they really they need to really keep stacking wins. Uh, Ohio State, we've talked we just talked about they're definitely dangerous. Uh, they have talent um, and Sensabaugh's uh very tough for for anyone to really keep track of. I think Northwestern can pull this one out. I think they should pull this one out, but it's always hard when when you've got an NBA level talent in Sensabaugh to kind of keep them under wraps. 
All right, four games for everyone on Saturday here. First of which, Penn State heads to College Park to take on Maryland. Um, you know, th- this feels like it'd be asking a lot out of Penn State, who's actually only won one true road game this year. They're one and six on the road. Maryland's twelve and one at home. Uh, so th- this feels like you know, a Maryland win here. Um, I-, I think. You know, for Penn State to pull off the upset, they're 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 going to need their one-on-one players to carry them. But you know, um, I really look for Young, I think, to continue um, his momentum. And you know, I, I actually do kind of like how you know, I actually do like Maryland's ability to at least slow down Penn State on defense. You know, you got Dunta Scott. You could even like play Julian Reese against um, against Pickett if you wanted to. Like, I, I think they have some options and. Um, you know, Maryland will try to push the pace here, and I don't know that Penn State can keep up. So I think it's going to be a tall task. But actually, also, you know, the the other key here is what does Penn State do early in the week? If they lose that game to Wisconsin, I think that this one could could be ugly. Um, but if they win it, you know, they'll have a little bit of momentum behind them from having turned around their losing streak from this past week. Um, Rutgers heads to Champaign to take on Illinois. You know, for, for me, this is sort of a how tough are you? test for the Illini because as we talked about, you know, Rutgers is going to bring the defense. Um, and you know, these are the types of games that Underwood um, hasn't had his team ready to play. Um, Rutgers is going to, going to muck this up. They're going to make Illinois uncomfortable. And I actually like them to go in there and, and pull off the upset on the road. Uh, but I think we're going to learn a lot about Illinois toughness, um, seeing how well they defend their home court against, you know, a team that's going to go in there and try to bully them. Um, Wisconsin heads to Nebraska. Um, as as we talked about a few minutes ago, you know this is you got to go in eyes wide open there. Um, I know there's there's you know a lot of I think not bad blood, but just uh, you know Wisconsin want to go in and avenge uh, you know their loss to Nebraska last year, who cost them a chance at you know an, an outright tourney title. Um, th- this is this is when you can't lose uh, it, a loss would be even more devastating than than anything else for Wisconsin than than a, a win would help them. Um, but I, I actually, I, I think this, this could be a good get right game for the Badgers too, um, especially having played a, a stretch here of, of tough teams. Um, and then, and then finally, um, Indiana heads to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. So, you know, this will obviously the premier matchup here is going to be in the post where, uh, you know, you got Hunter Dickinson going up against Trace Jackson Davis. Um, so that'll be a, a good battle between those two guys there. Um, but actually I'm looking out on the wing the wings here as well. Um, Huchifino and Kobe Bufkin. Kobe Bufkin's been a, a, a plus defender this year. Um, and we know that Huchifino's, you know, really coming into his own as a freshman. Really looking forward to, to those guys doing battle. And really, you know, this is an opportunity for Michigan to, you know, prove their real, you know, Indiana's going to be ranked. So it'll be a true, like, marquee win opportunity for them on that national TV. Um, th- this could be what, you know, spearheads them back into the bubble picture. Um, you know, and, 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 ideally gives them an opportunity to, um, if they can beat Nebraska on Wednesday, this would give them the opportunity to go on a four-game win streak, which would allow them to be sort of heating up at the right time. Yeah, no, I think I think that's going to be going to be a fun day of basketball. Uh, and then Sunday, Indiana goes to Minnesota. I expect a large blowout in favor of Iowa. Uh, Michigan State goes to Ohio State. Um, you know, again, this is Another another interesting one for Michigan State. Uh, I think they're 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 going to have to start rebounding and and 
becoming, you know, just making sure that they finish against a Ohio State team that definitely not known for for their defense. So I think I think it could be a good good little get right game uh, pending the result of the uh, the Tuesday game against Maryland. And then finally, uh, Purdue and Northwestern. I man, the schedule really does not let up for those for the Wildcats. Uh, It'll be, you know, I'm I'm interested to see because Purdue really or Northwestern makes its living defensively on hounding and doubling in the post and just letting letting the other teams take threes and hoping that the numbers work out in their favor as they can kind of muck it up on on defense and muck it up on offense a little bit. Uh, they're going to need to be more. They're going to need to be more efficient. Adij, you know, he he had 11 points against Wisconsin tonight, but on 13 shots, he's really going to have to find a way to be more efficient and. A lot of those contested mid-range jumpers, especially with Edie eating up the post, is not are not going to really be there or be there at worst times. And I think that that's going to be a big thing. Is it can Northwestern's guards and 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 I guess Chase Adige like really continue to make a living at the rim and in the mid-range? And if they can, they might win this game. If not, it's going to be a really long night, no matter how bad they how how much they can muck it up on on defense and and try and keep Edie out of the post, which likely will not happen. Also. That's it for us. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, you can send them to us at Big Ten, the number, uh, hoopsweekly at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. Uh, and we are excited for this week of basketball, and we will see you next week.